Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. It's all the non-believers. How did that it's all the non-believers? Anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle. Can't wait! Hello everyone and welcome to an exciting episode of The Main Event. My name is Daniel Yanofsky for Double G Sports Blog Talk Radio. It's a very busy week uh, here in the world of MMA and professional wrestling. And we, or I, am here to help you digest all that has happened, and it's been a long, long week. The number to call is 914-338-0897. Once again, 914-338-0897. We'll be taking your calls all hour as it is. So where do we begin? Because we had a Money in the Bank pay-per-view for WWE. We had Bellator 180 for MMA. And we had a Ring of Honor Best in the World this week. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We had Floyd versus Connor. We didn't really get much to go about that because it's been a while since I've been on the air with you. I do admit that. But patience is a virtue, my friends. And that is why we're here. We're going to be talking about money in the bank first. Because that event in general was just, whoa, that was just insane. Money in the Bank had James Ellsworth, a man, win a woman's match. Why? I don't know why. I am not a booker for WWE. I am not a uh, man on the inside. I may say I have inside sources, but when you all think about it, it's just Dave Meltzer, uh, the wrestling observer. But, you know, it's generally what everyone else says. Now, is there an end result to satisfy us? We're going to get to this stuff right away, just because there's a lot to talk about, and Money in the Bank, there, there, there was a lot of interesting dynamics to it that I meant to talk about before the pay-per-view started. Now, is there an end result to satisfy fans for a man winning the title? Because social media blew up right when James Ellsworth uh, took the briefcase. And for good reason, I was one of them. And then all of a sudden, the wrestlers started to get involved. And then I'm thinking, oh, wow, they really are planning this out to be something, right? Because there's no way, storyline-wise, it makes sense that the women wrestlers and whoever else would be involved. And then Daniel Bryan happens to be coming back on Tuesday for SmackDown, and he has something to say about it. And he talks about the same things that we are. So apparently WWE has a plan for it. Was it executed well? You'd be the judge of that. I would probably say no. But then again, I'm not one of their bookers. So found out on Tuesday that there's going to be another Money in the Bank ladder match. I called that this would probably happen. And there's going to be a rematch on SmackDown this week. And if you don't have Carmella win, again, that is a huge opportunity wasted. Because, one, WWE has a lot of faith in Carmella. And, two, you just her win means nothing. It already did because of James Ellsworth. But without him, because he's banned from ringside, it doesn't show that she can do it on her own if she can't win it. And who else would you have win the Money in the Bank briefcase? 
There's Tamina, who's green as grass. Sorry, but she is. There's Natalia, who, while would be a good story for quote-unquote redemption for her after all these years, she would not be the good choice. Charlotte has done it all, and I cannot see her winning that. And then there's, who else is there? There's not that many people in the women's match. You're not going to have Nikki Bella in it. And it comes down to Becky Lynch. And I think a slow heel turn is coming for Becky after being uh, missed out on various opportunities. She always comes up short. And you can see it, a slow fire, straight fire, is building within Becky. And I like it. I haven't seen her heel since her days in NXT, and really, I didn't get that much of a taste of her stuck in NXT. I was more paying attention to the Sasha Banks aspect, because once she faced Sasha Banks for the women, well, NXT women's title, she was, a heel, she was a face, and Sasha was a heel, pure heel. So we've been seeing Becky as a face this entire time. It'd be refreshing to see her going back to her roots, maybe cutting down on the uh, orange hair, but I don't know. I'd, I'd say I'd be welcome for a Becky heel turn, but I cannot see her winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. Carmella, on the other hand, is the perfect choice. She's grown a lot since her days in NXT. Her feud with Nikki Bella was actually very rewarding uh, for fans. They got to see her grow as a person and not just the mouthpiece for uh, Big Cass and Enzo with a ballet for Big Cass and Enzo. And I'm excited for Tuesday to see what happens. And that's shocking to say because I'm, I was very upset when James Ellsworth won. And if that's the case, WWE just did their job and they got you invested into something. Also, SmackDown has done this many times where Raw hasn't, where a two-hour show can set up multiple matches in the span of a week compared to a three-hour show that uh, says matches within, say, 24 hours of each other or the day of. So it's a very, it's very interesting. If you have any thoughts on Money in the Bank and James Ellsworth in general, 914-338-0897. Daniel Bryan could be coming out of retirement to face him. That's a rumor. But Daniel Bryan last night uh, happened to shock the world with a tweet that he made. I'll get to that later. The rest of Money in the Bank was okay. It wasn't the best. Uh, let's see what happened during Money in the Bank. You had the Hype Bros in the pre-show facing up against Colognes. I'm expecting a full-blown Zack Ryder heel turn at some point since coming back. They do, they have earned a shot at the tag team titles of Hype Bros, Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder. But Zack Ryder, to me, his, his persona feels very heelish. And I'm okay with it. And as a Long Island native, it's nice to see him actually doing something and being healthy since destroying his entire uh, knee uh, a few months ago. So seeing him come back into the ring is refreshing. But let's make it heel turn just to really rile up the fans. And when you go to Long Island, you can create some good moments. New Day defeated the Usos for the tag, uh, for the tag team titles, but in a count out. So the Usos still retain. I don't know why Brizongo didn't get the title push that they deserved. Um, they had one title match, and then New Day got the title uh, matches. And they're having great runs as uh, fashion files, so we need to see more of them. But after the women's match ended in something rather dull to most fans, you have a match like that end in the countout. I don't know how I felt about that. It was a great match in general. It was, it was a good match. And Usos and New Day have faced each other multiple times in multiple entities, multiple gimmicks that they've had. And they've done a good job. It's just the match fell flat towards the end. I get it. The Usos are meant to be healed. But, you know, you want to try and build up your persona. Because who are you going to face after New Day? American Alpha? They haven't been around for a while, unfortunately. Uh, and supposedly Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder are going to face Usos next week, but or this week, but who, the SmackDown Tag Division is starting to come back down again, and it's very unfortunate, as the Raw Tag Teams are slowly f fading away uh, with Big Cass and Enzo leaving, but 
you never know what can happen. Uh, Busos are have been improved since uh, coming back from their hiatus and doing a new persona. I like the new persona. Day one-ish makes no sense to me. I don't understand any lingo that ha- that's going on, but who am I to judge? Naomi faced Evergreen Lana for the SmackDown Women's title. And I, when I mean Evergreen, I mean more green than Tamina. Lana has had her second match ever this past Sunday. And, oh, you can tell it was, it was uh, her first time because she knew the basics, but, like, you heard the clapping when she hit the mat. Like, it was a very hard... That was not a good way to have her match. But she did okay for a first-time person. Like, I'm assuming she's... Even Marie did not have her uh, fair share of good matches, and I'm sure that Lana... Is better than even Marie at this point. Not saying much, but um, Naomi winning was the perfect thing. Uh, it would have been interesting if Lana won, then Carmella cashed in the briefcase and won, and then Daniel Bryan took away the briefcase and the title in order to make a tournament of some sort. It would have been very convoluted. But Carmella being the, oh, I'm going to cash it in. No, I'm not. It's a good, good uh, gimmick to have, especially for her character. Jinder Mahal defeated Randy Orton for the WWE Championship in Randy Orton's hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. A very bland match. Uh, very similar to their match uh, last time out. If you cancel the legends, if you cancel uh, the Singh brothers attacking Randy Orton's dad and Ric Flair and all the other legends from St. Louis, or Ric Flair is not even from St. Louis, but uh, Vern Gagne was there. Uh, the axe, uh, the axe man, uh, Kurt Henning's dad was there. I'm, not, I'm unfamiliar with the name at the time. Len, uh, Lenny the Axe Henning, I believe so. Um, hard to recall, but they were all there. And if, if you took that away from it all. If you really took away like the, the dad portion of the match, it was the same exact thing. It was a plodding, slow match, the one that Randy Orton enjoys. And he like really murdered the Singh brothers again on the announce table. And then Jinder Mahal uh, came in with his finisher. It was like uh, Dream Street, if you want to call it that, for Ted DiBiase Jr. fans. Um, and picked up the victory. Him and his back knee picked up the victory again. Uh, and you know, you can tell he's on something. He says he's not, but like at this point, it's pretty clear he's on some type of, some sort of supplement, as you can tell by his back knee or his bulging arms or the fact that a year ago he had flabbiness. I don't know. It, you can clearly tell something. Maybe I could be wrong, but it's kind of obvious at this point. And so it was a planned match, and I'm not against gender as champion based off of uh, it being fresh, but and also them doing it for getting the Indian fans. He's not even Punjabi, technically he's of descent, but he's from Canada. General Hall's champion doesn't do much for me, but Randy Orton in these matches does, definitely doesn't do anything for me because he's kind of boring to me. And if I ever get a chance to interview him, I hope he doesn't kick me in the head because I heard he uh, is a little angry at people sometimes. But it's true. He's very bland. Him and John Cena matches never really did much for me except for like 2007, but that was really it. And the rumors going around is that they're going to face each other one more time. Uh, the next pay-per-view, not great balls of fire. Uh, that name still is funny to me. They're going to face each other at in a Punjabi prison match. And the last one we saw was, I believe, was Batista versus the Great Khali. And the first one ever was supposed to be Great Khali versus The Undertaker. But that never happened because Great Khali got injured of some, of some sort, and Big Show took his place. And those matches, whoa, they were little stinkers, but that's only because Great Khali was in them, and he's not the best wrestler. 
so a subpar wrestler in Jinder Mahal faces a interesting non-dive wrestler in Randy Orton in a match you're meant to dive and move around in. And the Punjabi prison match is literally just bamboo all around the ring with razor wire. I think it was razor wire and a door leading to another door leading to the exit or leading to climbing over the wall for the exit, which is very interesting dynamic. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a kind of excited for it because it'll be the end of their feud and Jinder will win, but it'll lead to a match with John Cena at SummerSlam, which is such a joy. And I'm being sarcastic when I say that, that John Cena wins to break Ric Flair's record or true record, as I would say, including for uh, Barry Bonds and the home run record. He is not. It's going to be a little upsetting. I think Jinder should keep the title for a long period of time. John Cena, during the USA aspect of this feud, will be interesting, but he can probably carry Jinder, but I cannot see it being a good match. Jinder is just here, and that's all we can ask for. And a Johnny Prison match will be interesting to see in 2017. Haven't seen one in a while, especially because it's known for being bloody. So will fans not see blood because they're still te- uh, WWE is still technically in their PG phase. They're kind of in the PG phase still. So it's unfamiliar the territory that they're, they're going to be in because we don't really know what they're going to do. We're going to be getting to the main event shortly. Uh, on the main event, uh, guest call-in is 914-338-0897. This is the main event. And Baron Corbin in the main event defeated AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. First of all, Kevin Owens is a maniac, and Sami Zayn wants to murder Kevin Owens. Every time they're in the ring together, especially in a ladder match, Sami Zayn wants to break Kevin Owens' neck. And it's very entertaining for the fans, but very deadly to look at. It's very uncomfortable to look at. But that's not the focal point of the match. One of the focal points, AJ Styles battling Shinsuke Nakabura. They had each other at the ladder. They looked at each other. They moved the ladder aside, which is hilarious. Just because it was just like, a, all right, let's just move this right over here. And they got to wrestling, pan style, Japanese hard style, the one that Shinsuke Nakamura is known for, the strong style. Not the artist known as the king of strong style. And my word, that, 15, that 10 minutes, maybe less, of action between the, those two, maybe it was like a, two minutes was so worth it, so worth it. And I really want them to face off each other in the ring again, maybe during WrestleMania. Save it for WrestleMania because you use a lot of matches that are dream matches during TV time. Save it for WrestleMania because it's so damn worth it. I would be all in for an AJ Styles Nakamura match. If that was on pay-per-view and not on the network, I'd actually buy the pay-per-view just for that. Uh, Baron Corbin won using heel tactics. He attacked Shinsuke before the match even started. He pushed AJ Nakamura over. He basically stole the briefcase, which is what I expected to happen. And I actually predicted he would win in my 2017 preview uh, for professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. And I was wrong about Jericho winning the Royal Rumble, but I was right about Baron Corbin. I'm very happy about that. He's not the best wrestler, but he is a great heel. And supposedly WWE has a lot of faith in him. I can't see why compared to Braun Strowman. They have more faith in Baron Corbin than Braun Strowman, which is interesting considering Braun Strowman is on Raw and just doing a phenomenal job against the Big Show, against Roman Reigns. He's just an overall monster. But Baron Corbin has a lot of confidence heading into his career. Apparently he has a lot of like uh, pull based on Vince liking him. And his receding hairline and all, he is a fantastic heel and a good winner of the Money in the Bank briefcase because he needed something. He didn't win the IC title against Dean Ambrose, and he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That's it. So it's a stepping stone for him to winning something, and it could actually mean finally a Andre the Giant winner gets something. Like, yes, Cesaro won the uh, tournament the first go-around, 
and is a tag team champion now, but he was never a world champion. Baron Corbin could finally become a world champion and make that title of Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner mean something. And I'm okay with him winning the briefcase. He could be a great heel for it. When he'll cash in, not sure. It probably won't be with Jinder as champion. John Cena may be champion, but we don't know. There's no likely scenario where he'd cash in, and that's the exciting part, because briefcase holders are kind of unpredictable, because you never know, but Baron Corbin can strike at any time. Yes, he lumbers down to the ring, and it won't be much of a surprise, but Corbin is a good choice. Overall, it's an okay pay-per-view when I think about it. When I talk about it, Money in the Bank was an okay pay-per-view with very questionable results. Basically, the James Ellsworth one. That fell flat to start the match. Cannot wait until Tuesday to see how it works from there. Now, from one wrestling organization to another, we get to Ring of Honor's Best in the World pay-per-view, which in itself was a fantastic pay-per-view based off the main event alone. Uh, The Best in the World pay-per-view generally has people from other organizations joining in. Um, You had Deanna Peraza face off against uh, Chinese superstar. Uh, Japanese superstar, my apologies, Sumi Sukai Sukai, and Chris Wolf against Deanna Peraza and Mandy Leone. Women of Honor matches should be on actual pay-per-views. That's just my opinion. But they're going to eventually get to that one day. Uh, the new Flip Gordon, uh, new fully signed, defeated Cheeseburger and the Pura Boys in a dark match or pre-show. That's good. Uh, the main point to take away from the show, there wasn't many, like, there were some matches to look out for. Uh, Frankie Kazarian defeated Hangman Page in a strap match. Uh, Hangman Page is like, he's the lowest member of the Bull Club, but the highest member. He is, he's actually talented, but he doesn't win any titles. And Hangman Page is very impressive, in my opinion, for a guy his size. And him and Frankie Kazarian literally killed each other because the straps had barbed wire, thumbtacks on them. It was actually pretty intense uh, when I was looking at the highlights and the match in general. And it, good for them. And Frankie Kazarian just beats him. And it was an interesting match. Uh, and I'm very excited to see more from Hangman Page in the future. Maybe he'll actually win a title one day. Who knows? Uh, Jay Lethal defeated Silas Young. It was a hardcore style match. Jay Lethal is great. I love him as a wrestler. Hopefully I get to interview him someday. Uh, Dalton Castle and the boys, the upstate New York native, Dalton Castle defeated Bully Ray, New York native, and the Briscoes for their ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championships, becoming the third winners of the title. It kind of has more prestige than the... uh, Never uh, the openly uh, Japan six-man title because it hasn't been moved around that much. But I think that Stone Castle and the boys winning the title means a lot because they've been around for quite some time together and they're the perfect dynamic. And they're just hilarious. Stone Castle with the boys are just fantastic. And Stone Castle deserves title opportunities. He's done title opportunities, but he hasn't won any title matches. Now, Winning the six-man titles is a great step, first step for him because he is considered the future of the company. He's very glam rock. I love that about him. But will he win the Ring of Honor world title? Maybe, eventually. The six-man is a perfect step for him. Maybe he'll go up and do some more. But there's so many opportunities for him down the line, even outside of Ring of Honor, that winning a title was the best thing for him to stay in Ring of Honor and just be a part of the show because he's very entertaining. Congratulations, Dalton Castle. Uh, Kushida defeated Marty Skrull to retain the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Kushida won the junior heavyweight title at uh, for New Japan and also the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, so he's on a roll of a lifetime. Marty Skrull, upsetting that he did not win a title or that he does not have a title, but he's still the man. Whoop, whoop. That's the best I can really do. Love uh, the villain. Young Bucks defeated uh, War Machine and newly inserted best friends of Rapungi Vice, uh, Trent Beretta, and Chucky e. T. 
also known as um, he was known as uh, Dustin in uh, Evolve. So it's nice to see more mix into the Ring of Honor tag title picture. Young Bucks continue to be awesome. And we get to the main event, which was 31 years in the making for one specific family. Cody Rhodes, or Cody as he's known in Ring of Honor, defeated Christopher Daniels to win the Ring of Honor world title. What a moment, let me say that. And I'm going to say this, uh, Christopher Daniels is an okay champion, but nobody was rooting for him in this match. I watched this match, and everyone wanted Cody Rhodes to win. Why? Not sure, but everyone has supported him since he has left uh, WWE. And while there are those quote-unquote haters that have been around, he has improved dramatically in the ring and his persona. And I, when I interviewed him on DoubleGSports.com, you can check that out uh, in my link on Twitter, at Danny Nosky, he said that this win would be a journey, the ultimate journey for him, not knowing where to go. It would be the culmination of all of his hard work. And Cody Rhodes winning a world title is fantastic because he, I think he should have gotten more opportunities than WWE, but that's in the past. He's won various titles across the board. He was the What Culture Pro Wrestling uh, Internet Champion. He's a tag team champion uh, with Ethan Page in a promotion. He was the he is the Alpha One champion, I believe. He is a champion in a sense, but not a major world champion. And Ring of Honor, you can even debate that it could be the number two company in the U.S. or in the world uh, in regards to professional wrestling. I think New Japan might take the cake, but it's getting up there. And Cody Rhodes winning the title gives it a family name, family value for the title, and it also provides more opportunities for the Bold Club. And fans have a fan, like a fan favorite, winning the title. Daniels seems to be going heel, along with Kazarian, because fans apparently don't appreciate them that much. They can turn that into a storyline. But Cody Rhodes winning the world title is fantastic. I, I'm not going to say he's my best friend now, but I consider him now a great person who's very down to earth when it comes to what he wants. He's very legitimate. He does not care uh, if you hate him or not. He's a world champion. And he is, he became a prince. He was a prince and now he's a king, as he said. And I cannot wait to see how he does it. He, there was a lot of hardcore style based in this match. And then two crossroads made him win the world title after a busted lip early in the match. Good for him. I want to see how it goes, especially now that he faces Okada, the IWGP world champion, a week from now, I believe, or a week and a half for the IWGP world title in Long Beach, California for the G1 Climax Special. Very interested to see how that goes as a title versus title, not a title versus title match, but a champion versus champion match, only for one title. So that will be very interesting to see. And uh, you know what? I'm very into seeing how it goes just because maybe Cody won't win, but imagine if he does, and then you get him versus Kenny Omega because Omega would want a title match that he deserves after a great match with Okada that ended in a draw. I think Cody Rhodes will not win the IWGP title, but it'll be a great, it'll be a good match. He performed the Rainmaker on Christopher Daniels, which is very interesting. Uh, Okada's own finishing move, which is, Clothesline, but a close range clothesline. Um, all we're going to say is great show by Ring of Honor. Congratulations, Cody. You deserved it. You earned it. Now keep it. Create memories that will last, last a lifetime. Now, we'll get to last night's Bellator 180 event. There's a UFC going on this, uh, today, by the way, but it's not really, I don't think it's anything to write home about. Uh, there is Johnny Hendricks didn't make weight for like the third, fourth, maybe fifth time. Uh, it has to maybe do something about the weight restrictions that he has. He went up to like 180, I believe. Inconsistency plus uh, people murdering, killing their own bodies to make weight. Not ideal for uh, uh, MMA organization. I feel like that's been a major issue over the years. But besides that, we had Bellator 180, which is a which was like the weirdest but most successful pay-per-view I've ever seen for Bellator. Gone to the days of Dada versus uh, Kimbo Slice versus Peace Kimbo. Uh, they had a very exciting 
pay-per-view with very young talent, very old talent as well. But they put on a show at Madison Square Garden. And let me tell you, they did very well with 12,000 people there, supposedly. Uh, Scott Coker did very well. They're working on now transferring boxers and fighters. That's an interesting dynamic uh, using momentum. And I watched the majority of the fights. And the first fight I watched was Hugh McKenna, who is a Long Island native who trained in Long Island MMA, the same as Ryan LaFlair. And he defeated John Salgado via Kimura Lock. And that was his first ever victory, uh, Hugh McKenna, in MMA. And good for him. Uh, it was a very interesting match. It lasted only one round. Though that's a scene that happened throughout the entire event. Uh, the preliminary card on Bellator.com wasn't any much to write home about. Uh, Ryan Couture defeated Haim Gozali uh, after three rounds. That's an interesting way to start off your career in uh, Bellator. Oh, not start off your career. I'm sorry. Uh, to get some victories in your belt after losing two in a row uh, for Bellator. He has won three out of five of his fights for Bellator. Ryan Couture, so it's nice to see him get a win. Then you had the Belter 180 card on Spike TV, the three matches. One match was actually moved to the pay-per-view. We'll get to that. Dave Barphone, uh, upstate New York native, I believe, uh, got beat by Neiman Grassi. But besides that point, like it was very interesting. It went from four matches to three. I think they were running close on time, which in the main card, they were had all the time in the world. Uh, Heather Hardy, the boxer, made her MMA debut and in three rounds defeated Alice Yager. The, uh, apparently they call her the soccer mom, which is kind of insulting considering it's her haircut, but it's really funny when you think about it. Uh, if you have any thoughts on Bellator 180, by the way, remember to call us 914-338-0897. This is Daniel Yanofsky with Double G Sports. Blog Talk Radio, the main event. Heather Hardy defeated Alice Yager, and it was it was, she looked a little green. Uh, Christine, my former co-host, will be on WGSports.com discussing it as we speak. She's currently writing a piece on it, uh, and I will be writing. I will be most likely writing a piece regarding Bellator and its weird night. But uh, Heather Hardy had an interesting fight. She's very green, like I said before, and it was her first fight, so you can't have to give her credit for that. She got busted open really early. She got busted open right above the eye. But that seemed to motivate her, and with a few seconds left to spare in the third, she just went all in on Alice Yager and just punched her and punched and punched, used her boxing background and won via TKO. And she is a Brooklyn native, and she is the most sweetest girl you'll ever meet that can kick your butt. And I mean that with all sincerity because her post-fight speech was fantastic. She wanted James, uh, Jack Daniels afterwards, I believe it was, or Jameson, whichever one. She won my heart with that. She's very happy that she was able to accomplish this feat when she was not – she never really fought. So it was nice to see her win and let's see where she goes from here because she wants to win commission. She wants to have more opportunities because – uh, boxing didn't give her it. It was New York State Athletic Commission, I believe. And seeing her get a first victory was very nice. It was see, nice to see where she goes from here, if she's automatic for a title opportunity uh, for any women's titles. But Heather Hardy, congratulations. Uh, Heather Heat Hardy with your victory. James Gallagher, uh, Conor McGregor's boy, defeated Chinzo Machida via submission, uh, rear naked choke with a, in two minutes and 22 seconds into the fight. It was just hilarious, many theme of the night. Uh, Gallagher is as cocky as they come when it comes to McGregor, but he seems very humble because he bought, won the fight, but he bowed to his opponent afterwards, which is very interesting because I don't think I've ever seen Connor do that. And I can see a lot of good things coming from Gallagher. Uh, he's won a few fights here and there, but if he gets the opportunity he deserves, he will be the He could be the next Connor McGregor. He could be the Bellator MMA's equivalent to Conor McGregor, uh, even though they like he trained him. So the student can outlast the master. That would be very interesting. 
and he basically called out Floyd saying uh, that Conor can beat Mayweather anytime, anywhere. So he's already on the hype train and he's already doing things right for Conor's uh, hype piece and mouth man. Ryan Bader defeated Phil Davis uh, for the light heavyweight title. It was it was an interesting win. It wasn't that exciting. It reminded me of uh, Glover Teixeira fighting at UFC 208, and it was meant to be more than that, but what are you going to do about it? Uh, Bader won the title, and there's not much really to say about it. It was really it was a really boring fight, I'll be honest, but it was interesting to say the least. Now we get to the main card of Bellator MMA, Bellator New York City, uh, or NYC, hashtag Bellator NYC. Douglas Lima defeated Lorenz Larkin. Uh, unanimous decision for the welterweight title. That was an okay bout that went the distance, so there's that. Uh, and it, it was an okay bout, and it just ended. Again, Bellator had an interesting card, the, the main card I'm getting up to right now. Zach Freeman, the average Joe. This is the match I want to really talk about. Zach Freeman, the average Joe, versus Aaron Pico, the supposed highly touted MMA prospect who's never had a fight in his life. Sound familiar for a man who hasn't had a fight in his life, CM Punk. Uh, but compared to CM Punk, uh, Pico actually has been praised, and he actually competed in wrestling and kickboxing and all of that. He's an Olympic athlete, so I'm going to give him more credit than he deserves. He's like 20 years old. And he got straight away uh, via guillotine choke. Uh, Zach Freeman should get more publicity for that. He's an everyman. He was going to work on on Tuesday uh, after this, and no, and he stole the show during the press conference. And I I wanted him to win. Like I get Pico is like the guy that they want to promote, but you're an actual fighter who's like an everyday guy, who's just really nice it seems. Who's just you want to chill back and drink a beer with. And Zach Freeman winning was very deserving. He ripped the media afterwards for not giving him the time of day. And I, as a media per- member, I kind of, I do agree with it, actually, because I would actually give him the time of day because he is a very entertaining person. Now, as for Aaron Pico, he'll get his chances. He'll be fine. It was only one, his first fight. He'll do another one. Uh, I have zero... Uh, I have sympathy, but like he's going to be fine. He just needs to win another. He just needs to win one fight. That's it. And everyone has those days. Like there are many fighters who lost their first fight ever, and then they ended up being legends. So Pico has a long way to go. He's 20 years old. Freeman's, I think, 33. Very excited to see where it goes from here for Zach Freeman. Uh, people should. Uh, give him more credit than he deserves. And he should become a marketable superstar based off of his work ethics. And he, he should go to the water cooler the next day, uh, on Tuesday at work. Say, hey, talk someone for money. What's going on? Be a great water cooler topic for the workplace. Uh, and so, yeah, Zach Freeman, the man. Uh, Brent Primus defeated Michael Chandler for the lightweight title. Very controversial fashion. Michael Chandler, uh, literally his ankle or his leg got busted, like it literally cracked. And, and you would see uh, when he like, goes down to the mat, it just legitimately like, it looked like it split. It was really deadly to watch, like the replay over and over that Bellator repeatedly showed us over and over. I don't know why. But the funny thing about this was towards the end of the fight, Chandler was sitting down. He sat back up off his chair and he went back to sit down. But his corner took the chair away. He just fell on his butt and he fell on his ass. And I thought that was hilarious. And I feel like that was a factor in his loss because he couldn't move his leg and he had to get up. And it was very controversial. And Chandler was very upset afterwards. But Brent Primus, Primus, Optimus Prime, give him credit. He wants to have a rematch with him because he wants to have another fight. He thinks he deserves it, which I think he does. It was a good fight. I cannot wait for these the next fight between them just to make it even. Hopefully the kicks don't get in the way. Matt Mitrione defeated Fedor Emilianenko. Uh, USA defeated Russia. 
if we want to put it that way, uh, which was the most hilarious fight. It lasted one round. About three matches on the main card lasted one round. One match lasted two, and the main event lasted the whole entire three rounds, which was interesting that it was three. Uh, but Mitrion versus Fedor was interesting because they both knocked each other out. They both fell down on the floor at the exact same time. They both knocked. They both knocked each other. And but it was it was Mitrion who came to first and pounced on Fedor uh, to win via KO. And it, it was an interesting fight. Uh, it was very entertaining. Just a KO punch when you look at it on replay. It's just hilarious. And it's so it was like the theme of Bellator just being a hilarious unsuspecting fight because these fights were very weird. Um, and so the KO punch was a nice touch and Mitrione getting on top of Fedor and finishing it off was great. Uh, is this the end of Fedor? We don't know. It was a great career, but we'll have to wait and see from here. Uh, Neiman Gracie defeated Dave Marfone, an upstate New York native. That happened to make it to the main card, which is interesting. Um, I don't know why they changed it, but it happened. And you had Chael Sonnen, the bad boy, defeated Wanderlei Silva, unanimous decision. This is like the this is a weird because the national anthem got played for both, and then uh, fans were like upset about it because it took too long or something, which is interesting considering it's the national anthem. Uh, Sonnen and Silva put on a good fight. Actually, it was competitive and it's anti what Beltor was the entire night. Like they had great fights, but they actually went the entire round and they actually beat each other up. They hate each other. And it's sad that this one match got overshadowed by Tito Ortiz, the reason we're tired. Tito Ortiz calling out Chael Sonnen, who he beat uh, in his retirement match. And it just seemed like low blow, like during the national anthem, him uh, giving him the middle finger and everything like that. The fans started turning on Tito, which is very interesting. And it, it makes me think that Tito wants another match, even though he retired. So is he going to face Chael Sonnen again? I don't know. Is it worth it having a retirement match? Are you going to Brett Favre or Ric Flair it? I don't know. But Chael, in classic heel fashion after he won, said he hates New York City, and, and he actually promoted other people's fights the next go-around, and he promoted other fighters, which was interesting, because Chael was kind of ass the entire time of um, media press and everything like that. But it was a satisfying finish because it was a good fight to an overall weird pay-per-view. Uh, something positive that I really want to talk about is Mauro Ronaldo and Mike Goldberg returning to the mixed martial arts world. Mike Goldberg was former UFC commentator, and him, say, and him saying uh, it's all over in a Bellator spot was weird, but it was very refreshing, very nice to see him back into the mix of fighting and them splitting up uh, fights. It was very good because you don't want to have them both do it together. Uh, it kind of creates a little weirdness, like just who's following whose lead. And Goldberg did a fantastic job. And Mauro Ronaldo, it was great to see him back, uh, just re- or hearing him in general. It's been a busy week for Mauro. He's going to be announcing the Conor McGregor, um, Floyd Mayweather boxing match pay-per-view. So that's going to be very fun. He just returned to the WWE for NXT purposes. He's playing Tom Phillips, uh, which is good. Hopefully Percy's gone soon. I'm not a huge fan of Percy. So him and Nigel McGinnis together would be great. But having him back in WWE in general after the recent controversy surrounding bullying and uh, stress and depression is nice to see. I'm pretty sure Triple H puts this together. God bless, uh, bless Triple H for... Uh, all hail the King of Kings for getting this together because he does that a lot. Uh, Ronaldo is also going to be the main MMA guy. He's going to be the main Bellator guy. So that's good. He got a few Mamma Mia's in there. I loved it. Nice to see some Mamma Mia's, especially Heather Hardy winning and then the KO punch uh, with Mitrione and Fedor, um, Freeman and Pico. It was just nice to see or hear him say, Mamma Mia, it's nice to see him do his old stuff and him knowing what's going on in the world, like actually him being smart about fighting. 
So Goldberg and uh, Morrow doing things that they love to do and giving people a chance to hear them out and, you know, just doing what they do best, very good. And it, it was an okay Bellator card. Um, and I'm very excited to see where they go from here. They're going to be in upstate New York soon. At Turning Stone, maybe I'll try to get credentials for that. Hopefully I'll get credentials for uh, UFC Long Island where Chris Weidman is scheduled to fight. That would be very interesting considering I live right near there. Uh, and that was Bellator 180. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts about it, call 914-338-0897. This is the main event. My name is Daniel Yanofsky. You can follow me at Dan Yanofsky or Double G Sports or DGS underscore main event. Before I go, I wanted to mention one last thing. Sarah Spain wrote some powerful words. She works for ESPN on the ESPNW site for women, uh, but she does, I believe, more work for ESPN in general. But she made a very interesting argument towards the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor match that's bound to happen. And I want to read to you a few paragraphs that she wrote because uh, that's what she said is the title. Or no, it's, um, what is it? Uh, the sound reality is missing in the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather hype. And it's it's about Floyd Mayweather and his history of abusing women. And it's just like, we praise those that do that. I want to try to get her on the show one time. And a couple paragraphs that she stated was, if people are sensitive enough about the dangers of violence against women to wring their hands over the Bengals drafting Joe Mixon or Aroldis Chapman returns to the mound, then why would a blind eye to Mayweather, then why turn a blind eye to Mayweather's rap sheet? He served his time, people say. It's all in the past, people say. By the fight, you'll not only be wasting your money on, the flawed, on a flawed product, but you'll also forever know that you'll, you'll put money in the pocket of a man who's beaten and threatened to kill women. When you're watching him pummel the inexperienced McGregor, do your best not to picture a woman in the ring with him instead. A mother to his children, perhaps, being punched repeatedly in the back of the head. If you actually make yourself see Mayweather using his years of training to terrorize women, you can still enjoy the fight, then you'll have to acknowledge that sports mean more to you than your... Uh, sorry. If you can actually make yourself see Mayweather using this years of training to terrorize women, and you can still enjoy the fight, then you'll have to acknowledge that sports means more to you than your humanity. Very powerful stuff from Sarah, which is very true in a sense. I know we're not really talking about professional wrestling or MMA in general right now, but it's talking about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, and that's boxing MMA. And that is a very worthy uh, topic to talk about. In my opinion, she is right because we talk about athletes who uh, abuse women or do drugs or anything like that, and they still get praised. Terrell Suggs of NFL did the same thing with Bleach, still, get, still plays. We care more about stats than anything else in the real world because we differentiate it. But when Floyd uses his main moves against it, it's another story. And I enjoyed the fact that she said that he's going to uh, pummel the inexperienced McGregor. He'll prove, he might prove me wrong and McGregor may win. But that's not the whole story, the whole reason for this article. It's just for the underlying tone of uh, being controversial and being a woman beater and being praised by those and people watching the event. Will I be watching the event? Probably. Uh, I, will be to bl- I will be partially to blame for all this. But it's it's something to point out and something that shouldn't be left in the dark uh, by those who are fans of the sport. And that's, I highly recommend reading it. Sarah Spain on ESPNW, ESPN.com. Check it out. One last thing, a couple of few things before we go. Uh, I interviewed recently Kid Osborne of CZW fame, and that interview will be up by tomorrow afternoon, he competed in the Tournament of Death match, I believe it was. Competed twice. And last minute, he competed in a, tex- in a scaffold match after someone got injured. So he came in last minute, just about to take off his boots. Very nice to see him do that. Uh, very getting a lot of praise for it. 
and I'm interviewing him soon, so that should come out tomorrow. Christine should come out with a Heather Hardy piece soon. Um, Jason Cordner went to Bellator MMA event, and he should have some information shortly. Double uh, G Sports is providing all the information as it goes along. And as we speak right now, uh, yesterday, I believe, or two days ago, was the 10-year anniversary of the Chris Benoit tragedy. Chris Benoit no show to an event. I believe it was uh, Night of Champions, his first ever Night of Champions. And CM Punk was supposed to face him for the uh, ECW title. He no showed. He happened to uh, murder his wife and kids and himself. We didn't know that at the time. And the professional wrestling world was never the same ever since. Storylines changed. Our family was never the same. And it was just a terrible time for professional wrestling. So Chris Benoit, tragedy so many years later, a uh, great career that ended in controversy. Uh, just shows years of concussions and performance enhancing drugs, possibly in there, but more of the concussions uh, played a factor. So it's a deadly, it's a sad way to end the main event, but it was just the 10 years has gone by, so it was very interesting. Uh, that was the main event. We talked about double G. Uh, we talked about double G sports-related topics, including uh, Bellator 180, Money in the Bank, and Ring of Honor Best in the World. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday to next Sunday to talk about uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match for the women rematch on Tuesday. We'll preview Great Balls of Fire. Uh, that's still the name of the pay-per-view, which is really funny. We're talking about some UFC. Hopefully have some guests on, maybe some Sarah Spain, uh, maybe a few others. We'll see how it goes from there. This is the main event. Follow me at Dan Yanofsky, Y-A-N-O-F-S-K-Y. Follow Double G Sports at Double G and DGS underscore main event for the main event. I hope you all have a great Sunday. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good one and stay safe out there. This is Daniel Yanofsky for WG Sports, Block Talk Radio.